You are listening to the Mission Matters Podcast Network, where we amplify the stories of entrepreneurs, executives, and experts. This is Ken Goldberg. Welcome back to Leveling the Playing Field, where each week we debunk misconceptions, fallacies, and lies about how markets and the economy work, and highlight other leaders who are leveling the playing field in their own way. Today, Jerry Goldberg, CEO of Manini's, is going to join us to talk about how he and Manini's level the playing field for those with dietary challenges. Welcome, Jerry. Hi, Ken. Hey, uh, tell us what you guys do and how you do it and what's different about it. Sure. So we purchased the company the end of 2014. So we're going on eight years this fall. When we purchased the company, it was a relatively small regional gluten-free food company. Some good base products made from a good base mother flour that the original founders had designed that was really good. And they had product in about two or 300 retail stores, mostly on, on the West Coast. So since we acquired it, we've used the same mother flour to expand into many different categories of food now. It started out mostly just pasta and baked pan. We continued to expand to where now we have product in about 3,500 stores across the country. Almost every state, there's a retail store carrying some of our products. And we also have a national distribution deal with Amazon Fresh. So anybody with a Prime membership and, and access to Amazon Fresh delivery can order our products in all 50 states as well. So, you know, one of the ways that I think that we've leveled the playing field is we've made high quality gluten-free food available to almost everybody across the country. And then and then we'll start expanding soon into, you know, some other countries and continents as well. The difference in the food is historically most gluten-free food was made from some form of rice or rice flour, which is naturally gluten-free and very cheap. But it really doesn't have a lot of nutrition, a lot of substance, a lot of texture to it. Falls apart very easily. Mother flour is made from a combination of four ancient grains, no rice or no rice flour. So there's a lot more protein, there's a lot more fiber, and there's a lot more texture to the to the food we make. And that that's part of why we've grown so quickly is because in the past there was a lot of really bad gluten-free food out there because people made gluten-free food just good enough so that people could tolerate it because they had a medical condition, they had to eat something. Our goal is to make to start with really good food that happens to be gluten-free instead of the other way around. Mm. And, and in, in all transparency, there's a lot of other companies in the last four or five years that have gone the same route now. And there's a lot more healthier, more nutritious, and a lot better tasting gluten-free food on the market besides ours. You mentioned kind of a cool word, mother flower. Is that an industry term? Well, it really just refers to, we, we use one flour combination, a proprietary blend of four ancient grains and some other starches and so forth that are all naturally gluten-free, but we use that in everything. We sell the flour, we use it in baked goods, we make it in pastas, we make it in our pizza products. So we really have one basic flour that ha- has those ancient grains that's common across all of our products and categories. Mm-hmm. And do you just retailers sell this stuff or do you wholesale it out or how does that work? Yeah. So we sell it to mostly retailers. We also have a food service side of the business. So we sell to restaurants, hotels, stadiums, museums, schools, hospitals, so forth, which is a much smaller part of the business. It was a larger part of the business before the pandemic, as you can imagine, that a good portion of those restaurants and so forth either went out of business or slowed down for the last couple of years. 
And that business is just sort of starting to come back. So food service is about 10 or 12% of our total revenue and retail mm-hmm. selling to distributors who they'll set, then sell to retailers, you know, is, is around 90% or so. And I see a lot of people talking about gluten-free and ordering gluten-free. Mm-hmm. Is, is it actually good for the average person? Most people think so. I mean, the, the reason that gluten-free, that the number of people with a gluten intolerance, whether it be an actual medical condition like celiac disease or just an intolerance, over the last hundred years, American wheat has been bred to have somewhere between 50 and 100 times as much gluten as it did a couple hundred years ago. So as you increase the amount of gluten in wheat, people are naturally going to develop intolerances to it that they wouldn't have had, you know, 200 years ago or either even 100 years ago. So that's why more and more people are eating gluten-free. A lot more doctors are aware of what celiac disease and gluten intolerance is. So they're actually diagnosing it instead of just telling people to take, you know, stomach medicine. Uh-huh. Uh, and right now there's about three and a half million people, give or take, that have a diagnosed medical condition like celiac disease. But there's about 80 or 85 million people in the United States that are trying to eat less gluten because it makes them feel better. Okay. So, you know, we try and make really good food so that we market not only to our core constituent constituency, which is the people that have a disease, but also to people that feel better for a variety of reasons, less headaches, less stomach issues. People have linked high levels of gluten to things like autism. It's a whole wide variety that those people don't have to eat the food. So you have to make the food better in order to make them you know, feel comfortable buying, buying the gluten-free food. What do you think the reason was that wheat was manipulated to have more gluten in it? Is there, does it save money to the farmer or what's the deal? It probably, it, you know, it makes things more filling. It, so recipes and so forth, you know, you can serve less and make people more full. So th- there's a lot of reasons that it happened. I think it had to do just with farming practices and so forth. There's other countries around the world that have sort of done the same thing. There's a huge amount of celiac and gluten-free eaters, for instance, in Scandinavia. Canada is a very high per capita gluten-free country as well. And I think some of that also has to do with just better diagnosis and people being aware, you know, especially doctors of, you know, what the signs are and actually testing for it. And it's not just that people have stomach aches. Mm-hmm. Interesting. I know you do a lot with big chains, mm-hmm. Whole Foods. What are some of the other big retailers that people can find your solution? So nationally, Whole Foods is probably our largest customer in addition to Amazon Fresh on the on the e-commerce side. Big chains in the Northeast like Wegmans, the giant food chains along the Eastern Seaboard, Earth Fair in sort of the Southeast around Atlanta. We've been at different times in Albertsons and Safeway. In California, chains like Gelson's and so forth also have them as well, Bristol Farms up here. In the Seattle area, Metropolitan Market, PCC, those type of chains as well. So there's a combination of large national chains and a lot of independents and regional chains around the country. And then we also do private label business where we make things for chains under their label, like Aldi's, which is a huge chain nationally with 1,500 stores. We provide product to them, private label as well. So the first thing that pops into my head is premium product. Mm-hmm premium price is probably more expensive than, you know, Chef Boyardee, right? Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, gluten-free food in general is pricier than traditional food or, or gluten-containing food. Wheat order of magnitude is fairly cheap. Gluten-free food containing rice is fairly cheap relative to premium 
gluten-free food with grains like we use. Mm -hmm. But it's all a perception of value. The people that are looking and saying our product may be 50 cents higher than a cheaper gluten-free food on the shelf. If it tastes better and it lasts better and it has more protein and more fiber in it, a lot of people will make that choice for sure. Is it higher protein? Is it like keto oriented or not really? It's not keto oriented, but if you take, for instance, a typical serving size of one of our pastas or raviolis, you're going to get five or six grams of protein which is not something you're normally expecting in pasta. Mm -hmm. And you're going to get three to four grams of fiber as well in the same serving. So for instance, you know, anecdotally, we've sold several times our product to the training facility, colleges and college sports teams like the Washington Huskies that have served it on their training tables mm -hmm. because they can have, you know, their football players eat a bowl of pasta and get 20, 30 grams of protein and 10 or 15 grams of fiber in a bowl of spaghetti and, and then they can go out and play without feeling like they need to take a nap, which you would get if you ate all that pasta from wheat pasta, for instance. Oh, I've definitely felt that way myself. Sure. So it's unlikely, I'm guessing, that this is a need of just wealthy people that can afford to go to Whole Foods. What about the people that you know, shop at more average level grocery stores? Sure. One of the reasons that we sell more categories and more food items than any other gluten-free company in the country. We have flour, we have baked goods, we have pastas, we have pizzas, we have heat and serve meals. Whereas most companies generally are a hamburger bun company or they're a spaghetti company or they're a pizza company is because different products have different pricing and different margins. So in certain areas like lower price stores and conventional grocery stores, it may be hard for them to retail our more expensive raviolis or heat and serve meals, but they can definitely put our hamburger buns and our pizza crusts and our pizza dough balls and some of the pastas on the shelf. So we, we have sort of a variety of product levels that can work in almost every any retail environment, you know, at a price that the store can afford to make their money at and the consumer can afford to to buy in. And we also do promotions at most stores, you know, throughout the year. Most stores we usually do at least four months a year where there's some kind of a sales promotion of 15 to 30%. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's opportunities like May, for instance, nationally is Celiac Awareness Month. Mm -hmm. During the month of May, our products are on sale every Whole Foods store and every major chain that we're in throughout the month of May. So that, you know, that's an opportunity where people stock up a lot when things are on sale. Nice. And I know your company does a lot to help those that are in food need situations. Talk about that if you can. Right. So one of the things that's very important to everybody in our company, including myself and my partners, is being part of the community, not just the celiac community, but the community at large. So we, we work a lot with food banks like Northwest Harvest and Food Lifeline here in the Seattle, and then through their relationships, other food banks across the country. We work a lot with Seattle Children's Hospital. They have a celiac clinic at Children's Hospital, of which I'm on the advisory board of. Hmm. And we work with them and with other companies like the Gluten Intolerance Group, which is an auditing and, and outreach company in the Seattle area to provide food boxes that people that can sign up for if they don't have the money to afford food. They right now sell, send out somewhere around 300 boxes of food across the country every month with a variety of different gluten-free foods in it. And we contribute to that as well. In addition, places like the Boys and Girls Clubs, we contribute to because they get especially during vacations, spring break, winter break, summer break, 
they've got a lot of kids that are at the Boys and Girls Club that are used to getting a decent portion of their food at school every day. Mm-hmm. And if they're not at school, they're not getting the food. So we provide programs to donate food to Boys and Girls Clubs and other places like that so that they have food, whether people need it because it's gluten-free or not, they have food to, to, contrib- to contribute to their students. And a lot of times they, they set out food at the end of the day. So when families come to pick up their kid, they can take a bag of food home with them as well. So it's a very important part of what we do is to make sure that we make sure that anybody who needs to get gluten-free food or food in general to a certain extent has access to it as much as we can help. And we try and work with a lot of other gluten-free companies. We contact all the time to say, hey, we're going to make a donation of food to this organization. You know, do you want to step up and do it with us? Uh, That helps as well. Great. Good for you guys. So that brings up my next question, which would be, what about school food programs? Kids go to school, you know, they show up for breakfast because they don't get breakfast at home. Can you guys produce enough food for those types of programs? Yeah, what we usually do with schools and actually some of these charitable organizations is when anybody sells, but in this case, when we sell to retail change or to a distributor, that's going to sell to retail chains. There has to be, there's an agreed upon shelf life so that they know if they're buying food, you know, they don't have to sell it five minutes later. They can keep it in their freezers and, and refrigerators and it'll be good for a period of time. So if you take something like, you know, our pastas, which have a six month frozen shelf life by, by guarantee or by contract, once it's to about four months, we can't sell it to the retailers anymore because they won't take it unless it's got the full four to six months on it, right? So it only has two months left. So it's perfectly fine food and it's it's going to be perfectly fine from a health standpoint for months and months, but by contract, they won't accept it. So now we have food that we've made that we can't sell. So that's perfect food to, instead of liquidating it or discounting it, we donate it. Mm-hmm. And that, that means that we can, instead of needing to sell it to a school district at our normal you know, pricing, which they wouldn't be able to afford, like Whole Foods can, obviously. They can get it either for free or we can sell it at cost because it's it's food that we need to move out of our inventories anyway, so we can make it available to them. The problem with gluten-free food in a school, restaurant, hotel, any, any sort of public-facing environment is it's not the food itself, but it's the preparation and how they serve it. Mm-hmm. They can't serve it in the same bowls and with the same mixers and with the same utensils and you can't roll out pizza dough on the same board where you're rolling out gluten pizza or else it gets contaminated. So there's a lot of training and education we do with a lot of our food service partners like that to make sure that they know if they're going to say it's gluten-free food, that they're making sure that it's still gluten-free when they serve to the kids or to the public. And sometimes that's why you'll see on a restaurant menu, things like gluten aware as a little marking on the menu, which means We've bought this really good gluten-free food, but we make it in the same kitchen with gluten. So beware that it may not be completely gluten-free. And then it's a decision, you know, a warning to the buyer or to the restaurant customer that if they have a severe reaction, likely with celiac disease, they're probably not going to buy that. And they're probably not going to eat that. If they're just voluntarily eating gluten-free, but they won't get sick, then it's going to be just fine. Other than restaurants that actually are 100% gluten-free and treat it that way. Interesting. So it's kind of like peanut allergy. That's right. Being prepared in a general kitchen. That's right. These ingredients might not have nuts in it, but right. 
there, you know, it's floating around in the air or whatever. Interesting. And, that, and that's why buffets and that sort of thing. We work with different buffets in Las Vegas and other places that, you know, it's, they have to be very careful about making sure on a hot bar, even at a local store, you can't have somebody, you can't put your gluten-free food in a pan next to food with gluten in it because the necessarily the customer might use one spoon from mm -hmm. one and go to the other and then contaminate people. So you have to be very careful about how it's marketed and how it's, labeled we've had meetings with executive chefs of very renowned white tablecloth restaurant chains that have been buying our food and we'll meet with them before the pandemic for the most part and talk to them about new products and what they can do on their menu and, and only to find out you know we'll ask a question and say well how are you making your meatballs or how are you making the roux for your sauce that you serve and it turns out they're using gluten flour crumbs <laughs> in their meatballs and they're putting it on gluten-free pasta. Mm. They never thought about it one way or the other. Mm -hmm. And they'll look at us and say, uh-oh. So then we'll sell them flour or we'll sell them our bread that they can make bread comes from or they can make their roux from our flour. It's just something that, it's just education. People just think, oh, it's gluten-free, put it on the shelf and serve it. Which again, is fine for people that are voluntarily eating less, but for people that, that can have a reaction, you gotta be very careful about it. Fascinating. Hey, if people want to contact you to find out anything about Manini's or getting food or getting your stuff that's coming up on expiration, how do they reach you? So we can always be reached through our website, which is www.maninis.com. We also have a customer service email address, which is info at maninis.com. So any of those routes, people can contact us and get in touch with us about on the website. There's a store locator where you can enter your zip code and you can find out anywhere near you where there's a retailer with our products. And it'll tell you what products are at that retailer. It's usually pretty up to date. Or you can, you know, you can ask us and we can tell you, you know, what opportunities we have to work with charities and foundations and, and that sort of thing. Interesting. Great. It sounds like some restaurant organizations should have you come and speak to their attendees and maybe get everybody on the same page, no? Yeah. And we, we've done interviews and panel discussions at different food trade shows before mm -hmm. where we've talked about our food and what's different about our food and demonstrated our food as well. And we've done it. At, there's lots of small trade shows around the creek. We have a Seattle trade show at Seattle Center for gluten-free and allergen-free foods. And you know, we'll do a booth and we'll serve some food. And we'll participate in webinar, in seminars and panel discussions as well. So we like to make sure the more people we educate about how to properly serve or eat or buy gluten-free food, you know, the more we help the community and the more we create customers that are going to focus on our food as opposed to our competitors as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Great. Hey, well, thanks for coming on and clarifying a whole bunch of things that I didn't know about. You bet. Um, My pleasure. I'm sure a lot of people learned some important things. So thanks for having me. All right. Thanks. That was Jerry Goldberg with Maninis.com. And that is M-A-N-I-N-I-S.com. Thanks, Jerry. You are clearly leveling the playing field. If you or anyone else you know would like to be a guest on Leveling the Playing Field, if you're breaking through ceilings or redefining the world as you know it, let us know. We'd love to have you on. Love to hear your story. Please contact us at ken at dsetrading.com or visit us at www.dsetrading.com. And we look forward to hearing your story. See you next week. This has been a Mission Matters Network production. 
Listen to this show and browse our entire catalog by visiting missionmatters.com.